My name's Casey. Again, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I serve with a great team. And I'm actually concluding the King's arrival today, and so I'm excited to do that. You know, we've been talking about the coming of Jesus, and we know that in this season we focus a lot on hope, and we've talked about hope uh, within this message series. Matter of fact, in week number one, we talked about the King is coming. And, and, and how we can have hope in God's plan. And week number two, we, the king has arrived, right? Last week we said the king is with us, Emmanuel, God is with us, and the promise was fulfilled. And a lot of times our hope is deferred because we have wrong expectations on God. We have wrong expectations on what Jesus is to do. We put wrong expectations on people. But thank God for the word because it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And it, and, and it, and it changes the way we think. How many of you know that your, your stinking thinking needs to be changed, everybody? Just a few of you. Well, that's okay. The rest of you... The, the, you, you really have stinking thinking, so anyways, I'm right there with you, and, but, but I think the word of God, I know that the word of God is living and active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it, and it cuts us open, if you would, and leaves us bare before God. The word's like a mirror, and when we look at it and look into it intently, we see who we really are, and God's able to realign our thinking. He's, he's, a, he's able to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. He's able to transform us into his image as we abide in him and in his word, and, and, and it changes our expectations. And that's what Jesus did. He changed all expectations. He revolutionized the way we are to approach God. And guess what? While he was on earth, he did great things. But Jesus is coming again, everybody. Jesus is coming again. The king is coming again. King Jesus, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he's coming again. And uh, so I want to kind of pick up where we left off last week. You ready? So we kind of talked about a guy named Pilate and how Jesus was an inconvenient truth to this gentleman. And uh, we know that, that the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and, and the Jews, if you would, turned Jesus over to Pilate to be arrested and killed, and they crucified him. They crucified him, but three days later, he was resurrected. He was raised from the dead. And so let's see what happens and pick up in chapter 27 of Matthew. And it says, behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split, and the tombs were also opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and, the coming, and they were coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, and they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, this is a big deal right here. I mean, if you just take and just pause on this scripture just for a moment, it's, it's, it's loaded, Right? Just a quick note, the curtain that was torn was the curtain between the holy place and the most holy place. And the most holy place was accessed by the high priest once a year and once a year only, and the, it was actually torn. And, and the significance of that was that we can access God without a priest. Come on, somebody. We can access God. We can boldly come into his presence in time of need because Jesus now is our great high priest. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. He's our great high priest. But notice, it says that, that people came out of their tombs. Now, I don't know about you, but if, 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 if somebody came out of their tomb after Jesus was resurrected, that'd get my attention. 
That would get my attention. And people who were dead were raised. And there was many witnesses of that, not just one. There were many, many witnesses of this happening in that time to solidify the fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus would be resurrected. It was a testament. It was a testimony. It was a witness to that. And the funny thing is that at that particular time, there was rumors going around that that didn't happen to Jesus. That, that actually the, the disciples went and they stole his body. And, 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 and some of the chief priests actually paid off soldiers to go and spread these rumors and lies. A lot of commentators say that they, get, they got a large sum of money. A large sum of money. And, and I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, you know, that's just like the devil, right? The father of lies attempting to, to contaminate the truth of the gospel through lies, to destroy the essence of truth. And it's, it's still the same today, everybody. Lies are sent to destroy truth. And we see it all the time. We see people in deception all the time. And so, yeah, there was politics going on. There was rumors going on. And uh, it destroys things. You know that people still use rumors today in the church to destroy things? Yeah. People use rumors from without about Jesus to destroy the faith of the Christian. People within Christianity, within the body of Christ, use rumors about one another to distract from the focal point, which is Jesus. Distraction, lies, laced with gossip happens in the church to destroy the very essence of why we come together in unity around our faith. Rumors. And we don't want to be a part of that. Turn your, to your neighbor and say, no, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. Rumors, distractions from the gospel, the very essence of truth. We see it all the time, and so we don't want to be that way. You know what I do with rumors? I just say, hey, there's no room here. <laughs> there's no room here. By the way, there's no room here in this local community for rumors. Come on, somebody. I just had to get on that soapbox for a minute. Excuse me. I apologize. Let's pick back up. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 says that after Jesus was resurrected, he presented himself alive to them, and after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. You know, his disciples were disappointed because they had wrong expectations. Remember, we talked about that last week. But I think, I think that disappointment changed when Jesus showed up on the scene in a glorified state. You know what I'm talking about? I, I think about guys like Doubting Thomas when he said, here, touch the holes in my hands. I, 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 think, I think about those instances and I think about how Jesus solidified that promise to catapult the gospel and we're still affected today by it. Some quick references, if you, if you like to go back and study about uh, that resurrection and how Jesus appeared to many disciples. We have some scriptures there on the screen. For those of you who like to really search the scripture and see what we're saying is true, take a picture and go back and you'll be amazed at all the different appearances that Jesus made after he was resurrected 
to solidify that. The Bible talks about it. But it says that he, he appeared to them during 40 days and they, he began to speak to them about the kingdom of God. Now, this is a significant thing because, you know, even though he appeared, the, the, the disciples always call him the dumb disciples because we're kind of like, I'm like that. I'm the dumb disciple and we're trying to figure it out. And even after Jesus appeared, they, in his appearance after he was resurrected, they still started to have some wrong expectations on what Jesus was going to do there. And they were thinking earthly again. They started thinking political again. They started thinking military. They started thinking that, that, the, that the, the reign of God was going to come and, 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 and change Israel completely, right? But Jesus had a different plan. His ways are higher above than, hey, look, this is what I love about God because when we think we haven't figured that out, we haven't figured nothing out. So if you think you've got it figured out, you're probably getting close to a place of pride and pride comes before the fall. But, but, but when, you, when you approach God with humility, realizing you haven't, have, don't have it all figured out, that God still has something to teach us, that his word still has something to instruct us in, that there's still revelation through our study that can be attained. And that, that even though we attain a certain amount of revelation through study and humility, we don't then take that revelation that was once so great with gratitude and turn it into pride and arrogance. Come on, somebody. But we, can, we, we continue in humility. But we're like the dumb disciples, right? They're thinking about different things. They're thinking about a political kingdom. They're, think, they're thinking about things now. But that kingdom that Jesus was teaching in those 40 days what, what was a present spiritual directed reign of God that was gonna affect cultures for generation after generation after generation with the gospel, the seed of the gospel. We learned about that a few weeks ago the promise of God. He said, through the power of the Holy Spirit, this good news, this promise, me, is gonna be spread throughout the whole world. And in Acts chapter one, verse four, it says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. He's still with them. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, here it is, dumb disciples, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? <laughs> you know, I, I take heart in that. You know why? Because here these guys are. They didn't want Jesus to die. He was crucified. They were terrorized. He ascended. People came out the tombs, and they're like, okay, now you're going to do it right now. I mean, you know, I find hope in that because I'm like that in my prayers. I asked my wife a couple weeks ago and said, you know, I wonder if I've been praying the right prayers for the last five years. Could I be praying the wrong prayers? I think that's what the disciples were. Sometimes we're praying the wrong prayers, right? And, and he said, hey, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel right now? And this, I love Jesus. This is what he said. It's not for you to know, verse 7, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, he says, it's not for you to know that. You're focused on the wrong thing. The Father's fixed that by his own authority, right? You're focused on the restoration of a military and a political kingdom. You're focused on the Roman armies and the restoration of the sovereignty of Israel. You're focused on the wrong thing. How I many of you are focused on the wrong thing? 
All right, we've got a couple of honest people in here. I got three or four people just turned off their news app. <laughs> Come on. Dumb disciples. Hey, I'm right there with you, right? They're like, this is it. This is the final salvation of Israel. It's here. Praise God. Peter, get your sword back out. You know what I'm talking about? I can see it now, you know? Man. But no one knows the day and the time of the fulfillment of all things. No one. Let's just say that together as a church. No one. One more time. No one. (laughs) If anyone thinks they know the time and the day, we run from them. They're not Santa Claus. (laughs) I'm having a little fun today, church. But it's true. Come on, somebody. It's true. You know, it's true. And I know we have interpreters out there that are trying to interpret the signs and the times and the signs and the times. But no one, say it again, no one, no one knows. No one knows the day and the time of the fulfillment of all things. First Thessalonians chapter five says this, now concerning the times, And the seasons, there are times, there are seasons, but concerning them, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Paul, writing to the church in Thessalonica, who is in anxiety, wondering about the times, wondering about the seasons, worrying about the fulfillment, worrying about Jesus' return. Here's what he said, verse two, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord, he's reminding them, you're fully aware of this, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Like a thief in the night. Another, another verse, uh, another cross reference is it, it'll be just like the days of Noah. We'll be feasting and we'll be eating and we'll be opening up gifts, we'll be cutting our turkeys and he'll come back like a thief in the night. So that guy up there says that I see him coming back, he's lost because he's not gonna see him come back because no man knows Jesus told his disciple, not even me, it's up to the Father who knows those times. But he's coming again. That's what we're talking, he's coming again. He is coming again. And we all wanna know, it's intriguing, with the, the rabbit hole. You know, there's a new Matrix movie coming out, I just thought about that, the rabbit hole, right? We wanna we want understand the Matrix. I like the Matrix, but we wanna understand the rabbit hole. We wanna take the little purple pill and see everything, right? Is it the purple pill or is it... I think it's the purple pill. Anyways, the rabbit hole of eschatology and when and how and it's intriguing and I want to know and I want to interpret the times. It gets my serotonin going. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Cranks up those chemicals in my body, you know? Gives me something to live for. (laughs) Think I'm playing. People have been wrestling with this for thousands of years. We just read the dumb disciples. People have, have thought Jesus, as a matter of fact, people have been declaring Jesus is coming back and knew the day for thousands, a couple thousands of years now. The disciples thought he was coming back in a few days. When, when he appeared, he, they thought, thought, thought this was it. After he was ascended and the Holy Spirit came, they still thought it was just soon. Maybe it's a month, maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's two months, maybe it's six months, maybe it's 12 months, you know what I mean? They started thinking about the 12 tribes of Israel, maybe it's number 12, you know, I'm not sure. 
You can just imagine. The early church was like any day. During the Black Plague, prophets came out and said, this is it. During the Black Plague, people professing faith, this is it. Jesus is going to return. And the Black Plague came and passed. People who were dying were saying, please, any day, this has got to be it. The Holocaust came and Hitler was declared by prophets that he was the Antichrist in flesh form now. It's not just the spirit of the Antichrist. He's come in flesh form and his name's Hitler. And he's come and gone. It's got to be today. Matter of fact, somebody wrote a book in 1988. It said there's 88 reasons Jesus is coming back in 1988. Some of you old school people read that one. <laughs> Dumb disciples. <laughs> Dumb disciples. He's coming in 88. The dude made a lot of money and he didn't come, so he wrote another book saying he's coming in 89. Then Y2K came, burned the books, stacked the beans and bullets. Party like it's your last day, right? <laughs> then we got the Mayan calendars, right? We got it figured out. We're counting blood moons too. Get ready, get ready. 222.22 is right around the corner. <laughs> February 22nd, 22 at 2.22 a.m. Set your alarm clock. <laughs> it's your birthday. It's your birthday. See, God knew it. I know what it is. I read in Psalms, the psalmist said, Lord, one day is like a thousand, a thousand is like one day you've been resurrected, two days, three days you rose again. Maybe it's a 3,000 years. Yeah. And we make this a hobby. We make this a profession. And we make it a obsession. We make it a, an obsession. And yeah, we know the Bible does have prophetic, apocalyptic implications. Absolutely. Absolutely. However, he's gonna come like a thief in the night. We believe that the Bible's highest priority is a revelation of Jesus. A revelation of Jesus. You know, we're called to walk by the Spirit, not by the signs. Honestly. We're called to walk by the Spirit, not by the signs, because signs are come and go. And I know people's got it figured out. I get it. You know what I mean? You got the corner on the market of theology and eschatology and numerology, and you know all things. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Maybe I can shine your shoes in heaven. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not making fun of you. Hey, if that's you, hey, look, I'm just telling you, you're gonna come and go and you're gonna die. Yeah. The grass withers and the flower fades. I just wanna make sure I'm walking by the Spirit and making sure I'm stewarding what time I do have on earth. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to tell his disciples. I think that's what was, Paul was trying to tell the church in Thessalonica. I, 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 think, I, think, I think that God has something that is, is, is the apple of his eye, and that's the souls of mankind. Right? 
and that we want to be about the Father's business. God wants us to anticipate his return, not speculate about it. And there's so many arguments about it, and you're not preaching this, and you should preach that, and you're in error, and you're not in error, and you're a heretic, and did you read my book? You know what I'm saying? Man. Our mission is the Great Commission that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. I know you want me to talk about America, the Babylon, the great, right? I know you want, some people want that, but, but, but I, I look in, in the entirety and the totality of Scripture, and I'm like, man, the Great Commission. If the thief comes back, if the, if the Lord comes back like a thief in the night, and Jesus talks about parables uh, uh, saying, be ready, then, 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 then I, 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 bet, I better be ready, you know what I'm talking about? So how do, how do I get ready? Look, Jesus, he said, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is what he said in, in Acts chapter one. While they were still looking for signs, like, like we are today, dumb disciples. That's a good, if you put anything on Facebook, just say dumb disciples. And then you'll have commentators who say they're not dumb and tell you how knowledgeable they are. <laughs> and that will be the proof of their dumbness. Now, verse eight. <laughs> This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what, this is what, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He said, you're focusing on the wrong things, guys. You're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you because you're gonna be my witnesses, by the way, Greek translation. You're gonna be my martyrs in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're gonna die for the cause of Christ. Let's get focused, gentlemen, all right? Coach Jesus, verse nine, and when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up. Uh, uh, what, what, what a last word, huh? What a drop the mic moment. You're gonna die, but you have power. You're gonna be a witness. And when he said these things and they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said to them, this is hilarious, by the way, I think this is funny. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? <laughs> this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way as you saw him come up. Didn't you get that command? Stop looking up into heaven. Stop trying to figure it out and get busy about preaching the gospel. Come on, somebody. Come on, you can give a hand better than that. Get busy about preaching the gospel, sharing your testimony, praying for people, believing God to redeem you and your family, believing God to do a great work while you're here on earth. This Jesus coming in again brings us hope to continue. Paul said, Without the resurrection and, the, and the, the salvation of the saints, of Jesus coming again to restore things, we would be most pitied if it didn't exist. But because of it, we have hope. This coming again brings us hope. It's the fulfillment of every promise. It, it, it's the complete restoration of all things. It's back to the garden, if you would. It's perfect harmony with God. We're going to a city whose maker is God, where righteousness dwells, where there's perfect harmony, 
right? Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 says, in that place he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Come on. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things will have passed away. That's our hope. That's our hope. How can people in the midst of tragedy and death and suffering, how can they say it's well with my soul because of the promise? And the Holy Spirit is given to us as a guarantee of that promise. It's a seal, if you would, to redemption. And the Spirit of God will confirm with your spirit that you're a son and a daughter of God. And something happens internally to that person and they're able to say, it's well with my soul. They're able to say, oh death, where is your sting? Oh death, where is your victory? And that only comes through the revelation of the scripture and the promise empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's nothing we can muster it up. It's nothing we can drum up. And we can reflect on that promise. Remember the Bible tells us that he's gonna come like a thief in the night. So what do we do now? We've been talking a lot about it. We get ready. Be ready. Stay ready. Be ready. Stay ready. Be ready. Stay ready. I was in Long Beach last week and I told the church, I said, you know, we don't think about death enough. I said this, I said, you know, some of the greatest reformation happens in someone's life weeks before they die if they're dying slowly. But we can have reformation now. We can be ready. And I think in the light of the gospel, in the light of the scripture and in the presence of God and in a, in a heart of surrender, God prepares our heart. God, God prepares our soul. God renews us. It's, you know, it's like the psalmist, he said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Change my stinking thinking, right? Transform me into the image of Jesus. I wanna be ready. And you know how we stay ready as a church? We have a mission. And our mission is to build Christ-centered communities that help people know God, grow in Christ, and go in the power of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. You know, we're, we're currently four communities, Gulfport, Long Beach, Ocean Springs, Wiggins. We're four communities that are going to perpetually share the gospel. This January will be 22 years since I gave my life to Christ. And about 23 years ago, we were one community right here on O'Neill Road. And in building two, I walked into that building. And many of you know my story, but I like to share it because I think it's right here. I walked into that building 22 years ago, this community, and there was a man preaching the gospel. 
And I walked into that church service because my father was getting baptized. And I said, if this man's getting baptized, I've got to walk into the building. I don't know what's going on here. That's, we never, you know, my dad was agnostic. And during that service, the gospel started penetrating my heart, even though I thought the people were weird. <laughs> I left that service and went and got real loaded. But that community right here in building number two, with a man named Van Decody, not a perfect man, but a man who is preaching the gospel day in and day out, that gospel transformed me and my family's life, and I saw my mom and dad's life transformed by the power of the gospel through a faithful community. My mom's sitting on the front row right here. I honor her. She happened to show up today, not because I was preaching. We got a Christmas party. We're gonna continue sharing that gospel. We're still sharing the gospel. Yes. I don't care what the haters say. I don't care what people are saying. I don't care about the rumors. We're sharing the gospel that changes lives. Yes. We're gonna to continue to disciple people. I was discipled in small groups. We're gonna to continue to disciple people. We're gonna to continue to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And we, as a local expression, this community, Northwood Church, we're gonna remain faithful to that mission in our generation until Jesus returns. We are. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. We are. Come on, let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your presence right now, God. Lord, we thank you that your hand is upon us. Lord, thank you that your hand is upon this community. Bring your fire, God, bring your fire, burn out the dross in our lives. Burn out the rumors, burn out the gossip, burn out the sin that so easily besets us. Burn out the unforgiveness. Burn out the distractions. Burn out trying to interpret every sign. Burn out wrong political mindset. Burn it out. For you're returning, God. You're coming like a thief in the night. Some of you right now in this room today, some of you watching online, the Lord is calling you out of darkness into his light just like he did for me 22 years ago. It's his love and kindness that draws a man and a woman to repentance. It's his love. It's nothing I do, it's nothing no one does. It's him and him alone. It's Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. There's nothing you can do to earn that. You surrender to it. And that's what you're doing right now. If God's calling you, you know, that's who, you, know who you are, ma'am. You know who you are sir. It's Jesus. What a wonderful, beautiful thing. Surrender to the gospel. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was crucified and raised, buried and raised, he's the perfect lamb of God that takes away the sins of the earth. He's the last final sacrifice. He's the great high priest. Surrender to him now. In Jesus' name.
If you prayed that, let's give it up for those who prayed that prayer, everybody. Yeah. If you prayed that prayer, here's what we like to do. We like to come alongside and help you out. We have a, a card in the seat pocket in front of you. Just take that card, fill it out. There's, there's a little indication there online if you prayed that prayer. If you're in the room, you can bring it to the next steps uh, table in the rear here. And uh, if you're online, just fill it out. We'll be in contact with you and uh, just help you attach to this community of believers. It's a powerful thing. It really is. We're excited for you. You know, I don't know what God's doing in your life right now, but I know he's doing something. I know, I know he's working. I know he knows every detail of your life, every thought, every prayer, every, every laughter, every tear. He knows everything. And, 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 you know, we don't want anyone to leave the service who, who doesn't get prayer answered or prayer, have a prayer partner pray with them. You know what I mean? And, and so we're going to have prayer partners up here during this last worship song. But let's go ahead and stand on our feet because we're going to worship God in the light of everything. He's worthy of our praise and he's holy. Just, just take a moment as we conclude this series, as we conclude this message, to let God just kind of seal over you and solidify over you everything that you've heard today and everything that God's doing in your life. In Jesus' name.